Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you guys for joining me again here today. Uh, with me again is my new cohort in crime, Mr. Jim Schweitzer. Jim, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, it's been a long day, but I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a great conversation, and I am uh, super stoked to be a part of it. Yeah, it's it's one of those conversations that I kind of set in motion, like, I want to say it's like a month, month and a half ago. And I honestly just kind of a shot in the dark email to a company that I respect and that whose products I swear by and, and, and didn't expect to hear anything back. And, and, and one of the company's co-founders emailed me back and he's like, yeah, we'll talk to my press flex and uh, we'll go from there. And, and so for, since then, it's been this back and forth with uh, the press team for this company and the more I had these conversations, the more real it became and the more real it became, the more nervous I got because it's like, like I said, this is a company that I buy their products. I swear by their products. I use them. I've talked them up to everybody I talk to about this. And for those of y'all who aren't in the know, today we are going to be having a conversation with uh, co-founder of New Wave Toys and Masters of the Replicades Systems, uh, Shiloh Prychek. So that's something that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. And uh, I know yeah, I've in a previous episode, uh, you and I talked quite a bit about retro video games. And uh, it's something we both have a very keen interest in, in terms of our own personal fandoms on things. And and uh, yeah, these guys are replicates are the real deal. They, they put out, um, what is one sixth, like 12 inch size arcade cabinets, but they're not the kind of things you see in the, in the gift section at the Walmart. These are faithfully reproduced down to the artwork, down to the shape of the cabinet, the original arcade ROMs. I mean, these guys, the amount of detail they put into these products is is staggering and can only come from people who genuinely love the idea of retro video gaming. So they're people who have passions. They're people who have fandoms of their own. They've turned into this great company. So it's, uh, it's going to be great to talk to them about that. Right, absolutely. And like I said, anyone who's uh, has the ability to kind of fuel uh, a, fash, a passion of mine like they do, I mean, I enjoy talking to everybody that I talk to on this show. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy talking to, uh, to Thomas when he's on. He's a frequent uh, contributor here. And I love getting into these different facets of their fandoms that just kind of, because like I always said, I always kind of like to see that sparkle in the eye, the the, the little kind of yeah. uh, excited giggle, the little kid come out of everybody when they talk about something that they're truly passionate about. Well, on this occasion, this is for me. This is something I'm super passionate about. And so uh, to get the opportunity to sit down and have this conversation with Shiloh is just, uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I can't wait for you all to hear it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm totally right there with you. You know, uh, Growing up like we did on, on these video games that are now called retro, but that were just the coolest things in the world at the time because they were brand new. And, you know, the technology just uh, evolved really fast from, uh, you know, just pixel sprites all the way up through, you know, great things like um, things we're going to talk about on the show today with the, uh, the particular games that they've chosen to adapt for these, these replica um, small scale cabinets. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have counted myself lucky many, many times as, as, a, as a gamer. 
that I kind of chose a hobby that grew up right along with me. As a kid, you know, we all watched TV and I used to watch like Barney Miller and Hogan's Heroes on syndication. And I just, you know, you couldn't have conversations with the guys on the TV. But as a kid, I was enthralled by the fact that I could move around stuff on my television by using this interface. And, and the older I got, you know, the, the more sophisticated those things got when I'm th- five, six years old, I'm playing combat on the Atari 2600 and I'm blown away. And then, you know, when I work through something like Ghost of Tsushima on the PS4 or, um, you know, something like I'm working on Watch Dogs Legion right now or The Last of Us 2, uh, these, these are games that are incredibly deep and sophisticated. And, and um, as I've been able to grow and, and understand more about narrative storytelling and technology, um, the games just get better. But you have to go back to your roots once in a while and just really pay tribute to uh, the things that got you started. And these games, um, these arcade games that, that were such a huge influence on us as kids, these guys love them just as much as we do. So being able to talk to them about that and, and kind of dig into their thought process and their motivations is going to be, uh, I'm super looking forward to it. All right. So without further ado, we're going to get into uh, the interview with Shiloh Prychek. All right, so now I'd like to welcome to the Feel Your Fandom podcast, someone who's kind of been at the heart of one of my fandoms uh, for a very long time. Uh, as, as many of you know, I'm very super huge into retro video gaming, and so finding new and unique and interesting ways to uh, approach that fandom has always been something keen to me, uh, and I know to Jim as well, um, but so... Uh, a number of years ago, I discovered a company that's called New Wave Toys. And what New Wave Toys does and focuses on are 12-inch playable replicas of arcade cabinets. And, and we're not talking these knockoff things you can buy off the shelf at Walmart or Target. These things are epic. And so I set out on a quest uh, to learn everything I could about the company. And in doing so, I've come across the guests for today's podcast, uh, Mr. Shiloh Prychek. Shiloh, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, I just wanted to say, uh, first and foremost, uh, what a huge fan of yours that I am and, and everything that New Wave Toys does. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm a huge fan of the retro arcade market, but uh, what you guys have set out to do and what you guys have uh, created uh, with your replicates cabinets is something that uh, it's not seen a whole lot of, and it's 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 really kind of unique. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to to introduce yourself and explain a little bit more about what it is that New Wave uh, New Wave Toys does. Yeah, sure. So I'm a longtime video game veteran. I started off. Uh, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but. Um, I started off as a buyer, actually, for video games um, with the now um, gone Virgin Mega Stores, if you guys remember those, where we used to sell CDs and books and games. <laughs> They're all gone now, but um, that's kind of where I started. I was a video game and collectibles buyer. And from there, um, in the early 2000s, um, I took a job as a, as a product manager with a, a company called Pelican Performance. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but we, they made a lot of aftermarket, uh, kind of more on the cheap side, bag and tag type products, you know. Uh, but that's sort of where I, I, I cut my teeth and I learned um, about product development. And um, I had a couple of really great mentors there, um, you know, 
Chris, who was the CEO, and Tom, who came in later. He was from Mad Cats. And uh, those guys I just learned a ton from, and I worked there for almost 14 years. And I um, just, you know, wanted to start my own thing. I've always wanted to start my own thing, my own business. And um, being a video game guy my whole life, I, you know, took a step back and said, you know, what do I, what do I like the most? What do I love the most? What do I appreciate? What do I want to, you know, bring to market? And it really all stemmed back to the arcade and the arcade machines, right? And those were, they just blew my mind. Like, and I was like the perfect age. I'm, I'm 50 now, but, you know, um, growing up, I was the perfect age through the golden era, the games before that, you know, and um, even through the 90s, you know, I was still hanging out in arcades. So I kind of, I really grew up, uh, you know, as a nerdy little eight to 10 year old kid. And then later on as a teenager, hanging out with my friends. And it's just something that's, it, it means so much to me. And it was such an experience that, to be able to live through those days. And, and, you know, going to the arcade was, you know, the only way really to find out about new games. You know, back then, sure, there was magazines and stuff, but they just kind of popped up. You know, you go to the arcade and you go, oh, there's Tubin, you know, it's like, what is this? And it was always a great, uh, you know, just a fun thing to do and then hanging out with friends. And, I, and and these are the games that, to me, they matter the most. And I just wanted to bring them back in a collectible form that was meaningful and really high quality. Um, uh, as a kid, um, uh, the guys might remember the uh, ColecoVision minis came out and they did a, a they did a decent amount of titles um, you know Donkey Kong and Zaxxon and Donkey Kong Jr. Pac-Man they did it they did a bunch um, and they looked really cool the cabinets looked really cool but it was really I mean even back then I was disappointed with the gameplay I'm like this isn't Pac-Man you know I mean it was just disappointing and um so really the idea for Replicate stems from those Coleco minis and wanting to do them proper and, and the way I wish they would have been when I was a kid, which would have been probably completely impossible. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what uh, started the passion of, of just starting the Replicate line. And now three years later, you know, it, it's, it's been a long road. But uh, we're here and, and we're doing quite well. So it's, it's, uh, it's been very re rewarding. You know, yeah, I love to hear you say that. I, I, because I, also, I grew up in a town in a uh, little town in southeastern Wisconsin called Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And that's uh, also notable for being the home of D&D. TSR was founded. And that's another podcast entirely. But I don't know the from TSR was this, you know, what now we would think of as a retro arcade. But at the time, it was just an arcade, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And and uh, what struck me is that uh, the games that you guys have focused on to produce as, as the Replicate cabinets are all the games I loved as a kid because they were not your standard sort of like sprite-based like Jungle Hunt or your sort of side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Like, you know, um, things like Tempest and Asteroids and um, Dragon's Lair. These were games that were just special, interesting, unique, and different. I and mean, they really just were, were trendsetters. And uh, even at that age, I was just kind of blown away by those things. So when you talk about this, this passion of bringing these games to uh, to market in a way that is uh, not just reminiscent of, but you know, as as close to the original experience as possible. That that passion just really shows in the finished product. Because um, you know, we've all, like you mentioned, I, I think it's an unwritten rule that uh, kid, 
kids have every toy that their dads ever wanted. And my dad was a huge <laughs> Pac-Man. Right. So, um, you know, we, we brought home the, the absolutely garbage Atari 2600 version yep. of Pac-Man, which is just to, to this day, one of the worst ports ever. Well, I remember well, as a kid having that exact same motivation. Like, why can't I, why can't I just play the games like they are in the arcade? When will the technology be advanced enough that I can bring these things home and have that experience on my television or in the palm of my hand? And, and just the fact that you guys are doing that is, is you know, just to, to such a, an incredible level of, of detail just really shows that you, you, you give a damn level is through the roof on these things. And I appreciate that a lot. Well, thank you. You know, it's, you mentioned like the type of games we're doing and we have done and that are coming up and we, we really tried to um, cover a lot of bases with, with um, the controls, but also the graphics and the sound and the cabinet. I mean, everything that are the elements of an arcade machine. Now, obviously, the art and and the, and the textures and and the uh, materials, everything, right down down to as far as we can go, and we really try to um, sort of pick a, a, a start with a, a wide gamut of, of of games and genres, right? So with Tempest and uh, you you know we have a rotary dial, plus we have vector graphics, right? So yeah. the vector graphics were very important because I think they usually look like crap unless you're playing on a Vectrex, which was great, right? If you guys yeah. remember Vectrex. I had a Vectrex back in the I, day. Yeah. I still do. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I still, you know, I still have mine too, but I transported it back from my, my parents' house last Christmas. And now it will turn on, but the screen won't, won't turn on. And uh, oh. It's the original one I had when I was a kid. That's heartbreaking. It is, it is, but it's, it, it's, I love vector graphics. It's so cool. Right. And they, and they, and that was the first um, home console that really nailed it. In, in my opinion, yeah. you know, like the graphics are proper, right. Of course there was Mindstorm built in. It wasn't asteroids, but it's still a really great game. And um, so, you know, you look at that and it's like, okay, well we spent a hell of a lot of time trying to dial in those graphics the great thing is, is with Asteroids is we had the, you know, luxury of reusing that screen and reusing that software, right? So we, we actually cut down the, the development time on a game like Asteroids down because of that. And of course, we developed trackball for Centipede, right? Which, which everybody was blown away by. And, you know, that sort of paves the way for more trackball games. And um, now with Dragon's Lair, you know, a whole nother thing with the laser discs, right? And uh, you guys will remember just seeing Dragon's Lair for the first time in the arcade was just a special time, right? Yeah, mind yeah exactly. Yeah. Especially since that came right as the, at the apex of, of the whole Dawn Bluth animation, uh, just invasion of his. Back then it was like, what was it? American Tale and All Dogs Go to Heaven. And, and there's a whole bunch of, I mean, he was everywhere. Yeah, and as a kid, you know, growing up, cartoons was kind of like my my benchmark for um, what I wanted to see games look like. And that was, yeah. you know, when you're playing Atari 2600, moving pixels the size of canned hams around your TV screen, I was just enthralled that like I could actually do something interactive on my television. But I thought, as a you know six seven year old boy, it'll be great when when video games look like cartoons someday. And then along came Dragon's Lair a couple years later, and you know, I think that now we got stuff like Cuphead and it's just the animation is great on games. But at the time, yeah. that was just such a, a, a giant leap in what video games were able to do. And, and so to see to see you guys um, 
you know, take that ball and run with it and make that something that you can bring home in a, you can't even call it pixel perfect version because there aren't any pixels, it's animation. But to yeah. see that happen is, was, was just an incredible, incredible thing to me. And I know it was for, for, for Kevin also. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's great. It, and it's like, well, we, now we have a lot of experience working with the Daphne emulator, which is excellent, right? And, and we just made it as arcade accurate as possible. Yeah. You know, with, with a lot of people play, they go, where's the drawbridge scene? Well, it actually wasn't in the North American arcade version, you know? So it's, 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 it's proper. And then when, you know, of course we added some, some new features that were inspired by the, the Kickstarter we actually did for the project, which were like external controller, which we have a street fighter also, but um, um, now HDMI out, right? So you can actually play it on your big screen and kick back and just adds a little more uh, uh, value to the, to the game. And again, um, you know, of course, if we decide to do another Laserdisc game, I mean, we have this, we have the software dial, we have the screen, you know, we have the scoreboard, we have all these things. So it's, 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 it, we've really challenged ourselves with every game we've done. And in a way it's, it's been uh, slow because everything takes so much time, but at the same time, um, it's been rewarding because, you know, we don't just have a bunch of the same cookie cutter cabinets with all the same controls and that type right. of thing. And I was going to mention that as well, because it seems like you're going uh, uh, from extreme to extreme. And, 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 and with each uh, cabinet release, it's not like you're going for the easy next cabinet, because, I mean, going from uh, Centipede, you went from Centipede to Tempest. And, and that's, of course, from the, the trackball to the vector graphics and the dial. Yep. Uh, to something uh, a little bit more complicated like Street Fighter. Yes. And then moving into Laserdisc playing after that with uh, arguably one of the hardest video games I've ever played ever. Uh, yep. and, and, and just to say also, by the way, for the quality aspect of it, as far as re replicating the arcade experience, I suck just as bad at Dragon's Lair now as I did <laughs> back in the arcade. So bravo. I mean, I'm just... As <laughs> Terrible Mission as I am now. Mission accomplished, exactly. It's a fantastic. You just cabinet, brought that experience home. It kicked my ass in the arcade. That's kicking my ass on Replicate, also. I told my wife when I got the cabinet, I opened it and I demoed a couple levels for her. I'm like, oh man, I suck at this. And she's like, and, and this is a good thing. I'm like, oh yeah, this is absolutely great. This is spot on perfect how bad I am at this. <laughs> Well, the but, good news is, is now you can you can play and 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 uh, exercise your memory and remember everything. You don't have to plug in fifty cents every time you do it, right? Perfect, yeah. and that's what I told her. I said, "There's no way back in the arcade setting was I ever going to get to the end of this game because I'm not a rich man. I wasn't a rich kid, so I mean, I just didn't have the financial <laughs> wherewithal to make it through that many quarters." So. And even if you could bring enough quarters to beat Dragon's Lair to the arcade, no belt on earth is going to hold your pants up with that much weight in your pockets. That game, you know, still was, it's, it's still a ball buster. So bravo for, for replicating that exactly. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it, it's crazy. It was the number one game in 1983. And that's kind of right when the crash happened too, right? So yeah, it's interesting. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually just blown away by the, the response to Dragon's Lair. You know, it, it's been out on every console. It's, I mean, all our games are, right? I mean, we ain't the only way to play these things. You can play them any old place. So that's why we try to take all the time to make them special. And, and, and you know, all the little details that add up to making it good, you know, making it accurate. And um, uh, 
Don's artwork is just amazing. And um, those guys have been great to work with. And, and I got to tell you, you know, we sent a few cabs out, out to Don and Gary to, to sign for us that we gave away. We mixed them in with our, with our pre-sales as like little special golden ticket type things, you know. So, hey, surprise, you got a signed cabinet by Don Bluth, right? And um, that went over well with most people. Some people are still like, nah, I don't want no signature on my cabinet. You know, it's funny. You can't, you can't make everybody happy, but we try. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I, I opened mine like when, like when I, you know, that face on Charlie Bucket in, in, in Willy Wonka when he's opening yeah. the, the candy bar. When I got mine and I'm pulling up the little foam thing going, oh, man, <laughs> no yeah. way. Big money, no whammy, but. Got away you got an time. amazing cab out of it. So you right. know, even when you lose, you still win. It's a, I can't complain. It's just a little layer of fun, you know. Absolutely. I was going to ask about that. Like what, what, the, uh, what the involvement, you think something like Dragon's Lair, when, when uh, the animation studio gets done drawing the cells and they pack it off and it gets turned into a game, you think, you know, Bluth might just want to, you know, walk away from it and call that a finished product. What was, uh, what was his, his reaction and what was his involvement in terms of like bringing this to life? Well, I was really nervous. <laughs> it's his baby. I can see why. Yeah, <laughs> sending him over and packing him up with with care and and like, what are they? I mean, what if they find something that we missed? Or you know, it's mm. like, what if it's disappointing? Or it's like, you know what I'm saying? All these things start going through your head, and then you know, we get an email back, and they're both absolutely blown away, and they're just like, this is you know, it's it's it it looks like it, and it plays like it. You nailed it, type of thing, and it was like just a great thing to hear. And um, I mean, we've, this is, this project's been in the works for two years, you know? So, wow. I mean, yeah, it took a long time. It really did. And of course this year situation didn't help things too much. No, and really. I mean, we're really six to nine months behind where we should be just because of it, but we still managed to get it done. So no excuses there, but uh, I mean, it was a relief. It was honestly a relief to, to get his feedback and, and and it's really interesting how relevant the brand is today you, you know it's it's incredible because like when when i was telling the guys i'm like well, you know what we got to do we got to do laser this game we got to do dragons later you know it's kind of like <laughs> really and i'm like yeah really you know and uh and it turns out uh i mean a lot of people were touched by it and love it and there's like a netflix movie coming i, wow. I believe next year ryan like, reynolds oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, wow, good time. That's, a, that's exciting. And like you said, yeah, it's talk about striking before the iron's hot. You guys are like right there par for the course with it. So it's going to almost be seen as kind of a, like a companion piece almost, I would think. Yeah. it's And it, it, I mean, I tell you, we, we've never had this much success with, with a launch. I mean, we, we sold out of everything we have in our warehouse in 10 days. See, and, and I, I got lucky. I got lucky is that I get the, uh, the news blast emails from New Wave Toys. And so uh, I distinctly remember it. I was working away from home and I got the email and that was the quickest I ever hit my PayPal account was to be like, okay, I know this is gonna sell out. I wanna be in on the ground floor of this one. And so uh, literally 45 seconds after I had seen the email about, hey, get over to Kickstarter. We just released Dragon's Lair on Kickstarter. and. And I, I had done it. I paid for it. And then I decided to, how I was going to tell my wife about it. Because uh, what is it that old saying is, is it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, I mean, to be fair, though, you you were totally justified in that because I remember how salty you were when you got burned on missing out on the centipede cabinet. That's the one piece you're missing. It so uh, you, you were so, so not happy about that. So I think justifiable expenditure to make sure that you uh, you don't miss anything else coming down the pike from these guys. Because, you know, once you get one and you see the quality and the and the love that goes into it, it's impossible not to want to jump on board for the whole line, whatever's coming. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy. The um, I mean, we're sold out of everything now. We, we do have another um, uh, more stock coming in for Dragon's Lair in a couple weeks. Um, it was it was stock that we had in our uh, China Fulfillment Center for for international orders. And um, of course, most of our business is in North America. And so we're, we're transferring that stock over. So there's going to be a small amount available probably around the second week of December that we're just going to open up to orders and, and then that'll be it, you know, but the great thing is, is, is you, you mentioned it with centipede and always the idea was that these things will increase in value. Right. And, and not be thrown into the garage sale pile, right. Cause it's, you know, <laughs> the person bought it, they're not going to want to do that. And in fact, I mean, now it's crazy. There's centipede. I, one went last week on eBay for $550. And I mean, that's just insane. I mean, I really didn't think it would get that high, but you know, that's where it is now. And, and uh, yeah, I hear a lot of people. Yeah. I missed out on centipede, you know, <laughs> can I reissue it? I don't know. <laughs> we kind of want to stick to our guns where we, we launch something and, um, you know, it's, it, it, like I said, it retains and gains value. That's and that, they absolutely do that. And, and I love the fact that um, you've always got something kind of new in the pipeline. And in fact, uh, uh, I want to say it was about, what is it, six to eight months ago, you guys finalized your, uh, the USB charge machines and your, uh, your Walkman uh, power banks. Yeah, those, things came out, those things came out, uh, actually, we had those ready to roll in January. And because of the, the situation in the world, they actually got held in the China customs and port for 60 days. Oh my. <laughs> those two items right off the bat the year. I mean, we really had a lot of momentum going last year into this year. And then we just thought that was the start of our year right there was, was a 60 hit, day delay. Hitting on those that two COVID brick wall. Yeah, yeah man, it was really bad timing. It was really bad timing. But um, I really like those products because they're, they're extensions, right? Like the, the charge machine, if you're not familiar, it looks like a build, classic build changer, right? But it has uh, six USB ports in the back so you can power up, you know, your devices or your yeah. your replicates whatever you want really but it fits in nicely with the line and um we really like that you know we, we um our goal really is to have as many of these iconic things that you would find back in an arcade whether it's the 70s 80s 90s or beyond you know what i mean it, it's we're not yeah. limited to anything we just want to do things that um that are meaningful to people you know and, and cover all the genres, right? And um, in fact, uh, the next game we have coming out is 1942, which oh. is our, our first. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, actually, um, I can grab the cabinet if you guys want to take a look at it. Absolutely. That'd be fantastic. Give me two seconds, okay? Hold on. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, more from Shiloh Prychek of New Wave Toys.
All right, we're back. Uh, here we are continuing with Shiloh Prychak. Well, you guys are going to get a little show and tell today. All, All right. right, can't wait. Show us what you got, Shiloh. How does that sound? I'm loving it. Okay, well, first, I'm going to show you guys something special we did with the asteroids. Um, so this is the overhaul version of the asteroids. Perfect. That's the one that I ordered. You ordered this one? So we, we did a real limited run on this. And uh, people really like the idea a lot. So the idea is that um, this is an overhaul cabinet that was pulled out of an arcade bowling alley, whatever, right? And we, you know, went through it, refreshed it. And, and so it's not like, you know, falling apart and not working. It, it Everything works fine. And uh, it just has all the... Um, you know, the nice distressing that age would bring to a um, arcade machine. So, you know, you start here on the side and, and we faded the art. So, you know, it appears that, you know, sun was, was catching the side panel. Maybe there was a cigarette machine here or a change machine or something blocking that, right? But just a nice fade on the art. If you look really closely, we did a lot of like touch-ups and stuff like that on the side panels. Of course, we changed the T-molding to blue. And um, this isn't. This is a. This is the test unit, so it doesn't have the control panel. But we did some really fun stuff with the control panel. Um, you know, fading stains, changing out the buttons to blue and red, and we even have like little cigarette burns in between the P1 and P2 buttons, right? Which uh, add a lot of authenticity. If you guys remember, everybody was oh yeah back in the days, right? I think people forget that these these machines were furniture. I mean, they were you know a couple of hundred pounds and made out of wood, and and they so they you know they, they took some abuse when they were uh, spending a lot of time catching quarters back in the day. Yeah, that's for sure. And and you know even we did some fun like distressing around the coin door, that whole like coin door, just to get that you know where the coins hit and stuff like that. So real fun, uh, highly limited, and then these went really really fast. So um, I had know, to talk my wife into that one. Uh, yeah. I'm like, hey, so uh, it's outside of my budget now, but how about you buy me my Christmas present early and we can get it out of the way? She's like, oh, Jesus, I don't even want to know what you're talking about right now. And like, I, <laughs> I sent her the description of it. I said, OK, now they're releasing asteroids. We knew they were going to release asteroids, but check this out. And then I sent her the details uh, that you guys had written about uh all the tea molding and the cigarette burns and the staining and everything like that. And she's like, wait, 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 on purpose. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, very much on purpose. And I said, this is, this is going to be like just the, the collector's piece right here. This is the one I want. She's like, all right, well, you're going to get it now, but uh, that's what you get. And I'm like, that's all I want. So there's a reason why you can charge more for the pre-distressed jeans or the guitar that comes from the Fender custom shop with the belt buckle scratches already on the back. I mean, these, this lends an air of authenticity and, and character that you just can't get in something that comes out of the box, just pristine and sparkling brand new. Yeah. So we, we just kind of took that idea and we're like, well, why not make them like that? You know, do, do something like that. So it went very well. And of course, it's something we're going to look at doing in the future also. Perfect. So here you go. Here's a little sneak peek for you on 19 oh my goodness look at that now that's a thing of beauty 
I'm, I'm sorry this is actually going out largely as an audio product because uh, uh, yeah. we'll have to grab some screenshots or something and put those up as an accompaniment because this thing is a, it's a work of art. This is a real sneak peek here. I mean, we, we showed earlier prototypes before, but this one's special because it has like this really beautiful walnut wood, you know, and yeah. um, it has a Japanese coin back, which is like two-tone with gold and silver. And it's different than the other games, right? It's like a completely different form factor. It's this low boy type form factor. And um, uh, it's and it's again, it's another type of joystick, right? So it isn't the same joystick you found on Dragon's Life. That's a real short throw, like a real stiff joystick, right? That we tried to, to replicate. This is more like a, a leaf switch joystick. It, it mm. moves a lot easier. It doesn't click or anything like that, like our micro switch joystick and for fighting games like street fighter or something street like fighter, that yeah. a real smooth uh, leaf we, we went after a leaf spring feel and accuracy with this so that is that is go. a little sneak peek actually we just got this this week so just <laughs> testing it right now and getting it over to capcom for approval so when does that is that going to go up on kickstarter or are you going to do a release like asteroids for that one well we really uh we really tried to do things differently with asteroids um, in, a, in a few different ways. One of them was just cutting down the lead time of everything, basically the, the entire pre-sale event and also the wait time to get your pre-sale product. And um, it's really the best way to, to buy our, our products. If you get in, you get a really good discount and you get shipped first, right? So it, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. But we wanted to make sure we're not making people wait a year for a game to come out, you know, after we announce it. And quite frankly, we would have had Dragon Slayer done earlier if, it, you know, again, didn't have such a tough year. But um, so we also like the fact that we're hosting it on our own website. We're in control. It's on our, our web store. And uh, we just call the shots and, you know, we have great social media, great community. And we can communicate via our social channels, also our email, you know, so there's no real disconnect with communication um, that you would get with a Kickstarter campaign. So um, to answer your question is, yes, we, we want to do more uh, along the lines of the Asteroids pre-sell and, and launch going forward. So this is a... Yeah, I can, I can understand that. And I saw some of the challenges that you were talking about. Like I said, I, I was a very early adopter for that Dragon's Lair cabinet. And I think I was within the first 24 hours. And so, yeah, I mean, there was a long wait time. And I, and I want to say that a lot of people kind of understood what was going on. And hopefully they weren't too uh, uh, out of sorts about it. Just knowing the conditions of what's going on in the world. We're, we're really honest. With everybody, I mean, if we're having a problem, we'll we'll talk about it. Um, it's no secret, right? I mean, it's it, if we're having a problem, it is what it is. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of people appreciate that. And um, it, it, there was nobody that was just up in arms because it was taking us, you know, so long. And a couple people got a little, but it is what it is. And when we tried our best, you know, so but. We just found like doing it off our web store. It was just really, really liked it. And, and, and honestly, the feedback from the community was super positive. I mean, people are like, the challenges of adapting a game like Dragon's Lair to begin with and then having to deal with production delays because of COVID anyway. I mean, you know, I would hope that people would cut you all the slack in the world because, I mean, there's nothing that you've ever done that wasn't worth waiting for, no matter how long it took. And, and video game fans in particular, I mean, whether you're talking about 
you know, retro games and, and, and replications or whether you're talking about, you know, like a, some high profile AAA console game that gets delayed because of, of whatever reason. Um, I think, you know, if you, if you ship it late, people are going to complain. If you ship it too early and it's full of bugs and needs patches, it's, people are going to complain. So, you know, better to um, just realize that some people aren't going to be happy no matter what and, and just take the extra time to do it right. And that's something you're, you've never had a problem with. Anything, anything's gotten hung up or if it's take, I mean, I remember Kevin saying that, um, you know, he, he ordered that uh, the Dragon Slayer cab in the first 24 hours. And, and then when he told me it showed up, I was like, man, it's, it's clearly the, 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 the care was there in every step if it took the time that it did. So for it to show up and be as good as it is, isn't a surprise, but it also, you know, makes that um, it's still in the oven. It isn't cooking yet. And we're not going to serve any wine before it's time philosophy. It just really shows in the final product, no matter what. So who's going to be upset about that? Yeah, thank you. That's well said. And it, my only thing with that is, I mean, we, we need to get, we have so much planned that we need to get faster, you know? So uh, we're in a different situation, obviously, as a company now than we were when we started as a startup, right? We're not relying so much on a, on a Kickstarter or something like that. So it actually, um, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and we're just trying to get things more ready before we actually even show it. Like, you know, AKA the thing. 42 is is mint you know it's we're really yeah. happy with it but again this is this is 18 that's uh, 18 months we've been working on this yeah you know well so, i mean and it always shows in the in the final product too and and i want to say it's, it's really been neat for me to kind of take back and and uh go from playing on the uh the tempest machine to playing on the street fighter machine and then moving forward to the dragon slayer machine and just i mean not that it wasn't pristine for beginning, but you can even see just in the way the graphics are approached and the way the hardware is approached, the software is approached, you can definitely feel uh, uh, an uptick in, in quality and in production every time you move up. And uh, uh, that and makes me real excited. So as, as a fan. So that's great to hear. And, and you know, it's, it's really um, a combination of, um, us building in more features as we, as you know, the titles come out, but also our vendors being trained and getting better at what they do, you know, overseas and um, everybody understanding exactly what our, you know, our standards are. So it's, it takes time. I mean, everything takes time, but uh, I mean, we just love putting little special things like into the menu, capturing the dip switch settings, you know, like getting the screen blanking in the Dragon's Lair uh, with Asteroids. We have a special replicated track mode that will add some audio. So when it's just sitting in the track mode, it won't just be silent. You know, have a little bit of audio. Um, I really like that because one of the, I, really one of the core um, essences uh, of, the, of the line is to create like the, this arcade ambience that we were talking about earlier, right? No matter where you are, in your office, your house, whatever, and having that extra audio when nobody's playing, it makes a, you know, a big difference when it, each game is kind of you know, chirping and, and uh, doing its attract mode. So just little things like that that I think really add up. And, you know, we're I remember just- as a kid watching uh, the Silver Spoon CD series of Vicki Schroeder, and I remember yeah, right. I was 9 or 10 years old, and there, just in the background on the set, there were a couple of, uh, of arcade machines, and I thought as a kid, the arcade is my favorite place. And uh, to think, oh, you mean you can actually have those things someday? I know. I hope that I actually, so now if you can see behind me, I've just got this, uh, you know, about uh, 90% scale um, 
midway cabinet. It's got like 12 or 13 games in it. It's a reproduction. The ROMs are, I think, even home versions of some of the games. But still, I mean, that was a, a purchase I made a number of years ago, specifically fueled by that, uh, that, that idea as a kid of someday I'm going to have an arcade machine in my house. Yeah. And now, you know, with, with you guys bringing home, you know, it's, it's, it's the same arcade that I wanted. It's just, it's, it's a lot smaller. So it's, it's much more uh, affordable. It's much more space conscious. And it still scratches that itch in, in every way I possibly could. Uh, well, I'd love to hear that because that's exactly what the goal is, you know. And yeah, Silver Spoons, Ricky Schroeder, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, I remember that too. It was like, what? How can what? How can you have that in your house? How rich are these people? That was so exactly you, my thought process as a kid. You say Silver Spoons, and all I could think of was, uh, do you remember the uh, the Richard Pryor movie, The Toy? Of course. Yes. Yeah. That that's what makes me think of that that rich kid who has everything and cares about nothing. So, all right. We're going to take one more quick break, and when we return, we will continue our conversation with Mr. Shiloh Prychek. All right, welcome back. Here's the rest of our conversation with Shiloh. Sit back and enjoy. What would you say drives you to decide on one cabinet over the other? Is it, is it the tech uh, behind the game itself, uh, which pushes you, like we talked about earlier, uh, into moving into different and more complicated setups? Or is it just like a personal preference on your part? Or is it how fast you can get a, a, a vendor to work with you as far as uh, securing rights? Or, or how do you decide what's coming? A little bit of all those things. Um, sometimes uh, they'll development timeline might be shorter and something might come out sooner than we think. Um, but obviously licensing plays a whole, you know, role in, in what we do. And as a smaller company, you know, we can't afford to go lock up every license under the sun. We, we need to be smart about it. And, um, you know, it, and again, it's not going to uh, happen at lightning speed. Um, right. we, we, we need to be selective and make the right choices. So I think we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves at the last E3. And um, I mean, we showed 1942 and we showed asteroids and we showed early Dragon's Lair. And, it, and then it just took so long for us to catch up um, that I think our philosophy is going to be a lot different going forward where it's like, okay, now we're caught up, you know, let's have a shorter window. Let's announce a game and get it out there sooner than later. I think that's our goal. And um, as far as, as titles, I mean, there's just so many, right? And we already talked about this earlier. It's, it's like, well, we're, you know, there's a couple things we're missing. We're missing a driving game, <laughs> right? So, I mean, we might want to do a driving game. Um, and, uh, of course, there's more fighting games to do. There's more schmucks to do. There's more vector games to do. So we're glad we have those um, already, those sort of um, specs already, you know, defined. And, um, you know, but we want to have a little bit of everything and because um, that's what makes an arcade, right? It, it's, it's the, it's the variety. variety and the difference in everything, right? And I mean, it showed you 1948, like how different is that cabinet? Like that's yeah, crazy, right? Compared to asteroids and right. I mean, it's that, that's what it's all about. And then look at Dragon's Lair, another way out there. So one thing you can count on is, uh, I mean, we want to do, kind of cute games and all the games at, at a certain point, but we're just going to keep on plugging along and, and um, 
you know, trying to be a lot more quicker to market. <laughs> it's really our goal. Well, I want to ask you to betray any confidences or announce anything ahead of time that might be in the hopper. But if you, uh, if you had your druthers and, and an open licensing in front of you, which two or three games would be your dream projects to adapt to bring to this line? Well, I don't think anything's out of the question. Uh, I'll say that right now. And in fact, uh, to me, the, the best ones are the, the challenges and, and they're going to take the longest also. So um, I would say things that involve without saying too much, <laughs> it's always hard to answer these things because you don't want to, you know, give things away that we're working on and such, as you know, but um, yeah. I'm really into sort of the environmental type things. Okay. So, you know, you let your, Maybe not necessarily games, but but uh, you know, accoutrements you might see hanging around like an arcade, like the like the charge machine or like it's, a claw machine or something, things like that. Environmental thing, like let's like you know, um, something you sit in, right, to play the game. Stand in to play the game, you know, right. those type of things that are just gonna, you know, right now we have this upright cabinet, so you know the, the entire, you know, idea of doing the environmental type games. Is, is really interesting. It's definitely that, that is interesting. I can just kind of, I'm thinking of like the old choplifter video game up on the, on the, uh, uh, the pneumatic devices and swinging you all over. Something the like afterburner that's got the flight stick. You know, I mean, what you said earlier about making sure that you um, reproduce the, uh, the, the, the feel of the stick or the control, whether it's a trackball or a dial or whatever, as closely as you can to the original. You know, like this one clicks a little more, that one's a little more of a, of a switch kind of thing. That's just, um, that's the kind of minutia that, that somebody who's not a fan is not going to, they're not going to go to that length if they're just trying to, you know, cash Make in a quick buck and sell yeah. some ROM. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that, that's very appreciated as well. Yeah. But yeah, you guys see, you see what I'm saying with the environmental yeah. cabs, right? Sure. I mean, those are the real challenges and hydraulics and stuff like that. Hell yeah. I'm all about that. I'm here for that too. And, and I just want to give you an opportunity. Uh, can you say a little bit about, uh, now I know for sure, for instance, I ordered off of this particular line that you've got on Kickstarter. It was your, uh, uh, replica boom boxes uh -huh. that you guys have put out. And can you say a little bit more about that or how far that line's going to go? Or I'd love to say a little bit more about that. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, you brought show and tell again. It's like Christmas over here. It, it really is. Fantastic. is right? Uh, yeah. Boom boxes. I mean, every arcade, you know, it starts, we have the one six scale one, which actually I have here also. Um, but I don't want, I'll go grab it if you guys want to see it. Um, and then obviously this is, this is the full scale boom box, which is about, uh, 43% of the original size of the M90. So that's and, the mini and not the micro. This is the mini. This is the mini. Yeah. Fantastic. That is so beautiful. At it. Um, that, that form that factor one. is just so immediately recognizable. That's the thing that we've lost with all these super streamlined Bluetooth this and, you know, whatever else. Ah, that, yeah. Everybody loves a good boombox. Come on. I mean, this this was just as part of much part of our childhood as, as our arcade machines. You know, music sure. massive, you know, roll and everything. And uh, we really like the, the micro, which is the one six scale to, to fit in with the, the replicated line. And, you know, um, we just actually did a we're, we're about to go into tooling on both of these. We, we had to take a step back. And although these have been working, we've been working on these for a while, we've been working on these for a couple of years also, it's really taken a long time to get it dialed in and get the sound as good uh, up to our standards. 
right? We don't want you to turn it. Oh, it looks really good, but you turn it on and it sounds like garbage. You know, it's got to sound good. I love music. I, you know, so I have a deep passion for music too. So um, both of them needed to sound good. Not, not just the, the, the mini, the, this bigger one, but also the micro that both had to sound good. And it's a real challenge in the six scale one to get it to sound um, well. And also with this one, I must admit, and, and in fact, we pivoted um, a few months ago. We're like, okay, you know what? The sound wasn't cutting it. So we, we made the, the speakers an inch bigger. We, we added about 10 watts of power. You know, we're just continuously trying to, you know, get it better and get it better. So when people get it, they're stoked on it, right? So the boom boxes. Um, another thing, you know, it, it's funny. You look at the old boom boxes and, and today's, and none of them even have radios, you know. It's like, oh, come on, radio. It's fun to put on the radio once in a while, right? So, of course, we have the MFM radio. Um, and then, um, you know, a bunch of features, you know, like treble, bass, and balance, which is another thing you never find anymore. I don't understand why. I mean, I like adjusting the bass and treble. To, they expect to you to EQ on. things on your actual phone, on your app, but there's nothing like moving a dial. And it's, yeah. it's called dialing it in for a reason. Right, exactly. Got to have that feel of that analog, that right? Tactile thing, just like the like, like the Tempest style. It wouldn't be the same experience if it wasn't for that. Right, exactly. Exactly. And uh, and then we took it a little step further with with these guys, and uh, the replic the replication aspect, but also um, the functionality of something modern, right? So I mean, we put a big ass battery in this. This has a ten thousand mmh battery in it, so it's going to give you a long, long power just to sit play music. But you can also charge your phone, right? Which I found really handy just testing this thing. And then on the replication, um, this has got to be my favorite feature. This is actually a wired remote control. And this was a this was a Kickstarter um, uh, unlock we did. And it's like, why would you do that, right? But I mean, honestly, if you're in the pool or something, you just, you can, you know, switch tracks, you know? turn it off, answer the phone, all this type of stuff from this little bit. It doesn't look like much right now because there's no deco on it, but it's really fun. And it's just such a, it's such a wild thing to do a wired remote, right? In this day and age where everything is wireless. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of the opposite. We're like, hey, let's go wired and let's go with dials and let's go with- Well, if you're going to go for the authentic retro vibe, then go for the authentic retro vibe. Yeah, don't mess around, man. Get yeah, it right, I, was, you know? I was showing my kid the uh, the Dragon Slayer cabinet when it came in and and all the little uh, accoutrement that came with it. And uh, when it got to the, you guys even put the, the laser disc in there. And not only did you put the laser yeah. disc in there, you put the laser disc in there in a little envelope like it would have been in a, in a regular envelope. You have to take it out of this little tiny envelope and put it inside the little tiny laser disc player. And my son actually looked at me, he's 16, and he goes, is that how it plays? <laughs> I'm like, no, son, it's not actually on the disc, but wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't that just be neat? <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you just miniaturize a laser disc player. It'd be great. But uh, you guys have done a lot in the way of not only uh, attacking a retro video game market, which is already kind of really oversaturated. You yeah. guys have jumped into the pool with with something that easily sets you guys apart from uh, your arcade one-ups or all these other companies that, that make these, these knockoff replicas. Uh, and I, for one, I mean, I have one of the arcades in my house, the arcade one-ups. I have the, the four-player Ninja Turtle cabinet. It's great. For what it is, it's great. 
My kids love playing it. It's fantastic. But there's a certain amount of inauthenticity to it that just kind of pulls you right out. And I don't know if that's the build quality uh, with the super thin particle board or um, it feels kind of flimsy almost at certain points. But that's not something that I get from the Replicades cabinets. Even, even down to uh, the 12 inch size, it never ever feels like if I wail on this joystick, it's gonna break. It never feels like super thin and bendy and flexible. And it's all very, very high quality. Uh, and, and I think that's what sets you guys apart. Um, and it's all the little things like the instruction manuals or the artwork or the little teeny tiny laser disc player, or even if it's just the little tokens that you send off with all of them. My yeah. wife, I opened, uh, I had, opened a cabinet recently I think it was Dragon Slayer and and I pull out the envelope with all the little things in it and the rubber feet and and she's like oh great more little tokens for you not to lose around the house and I'm like hey they all go in the charge machine it's okay <laughs> there you go put them in the reservoir you're good <laughs> sorry Lizzie really likes that uh, little laser disc player too yeah, it's my favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it great? I cannot yeah that's like the best, but I, just the fact that it even exists is like, that's It so made ridiculous. me so happy, made me so happy. <laughs> hey, that's it, made you happy. That's the goal, as cliche as it may sound. I mean, that's- Mission accomplished. Oh, man. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that put a smile on somebody's face, this day and age, it's just the best. What more Especially can you this year, we all need whatever joys we can get. So <laughs> the fact that you guys, you, you seem exclusively in the business of manufacturing happiness, that is to be commended. I love that. Thank you. Well, Shiloh, uh, I want to thank you for coming on to the Feel Your Fandom podcast with Jim and I. Uh, it's been a real honor and a pleasure talking to you. And uh, just one last thing. When's 1942 coming out? <laughs> uh, so I need a hit. Let's go. Uh, how's next year sound? Next year sounds like it's right around the corner. I'm good with it that. Is, isn't it? <laughs> well, Shiloh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast with us. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day and stay safe out there in sunny Southern California. Oh, no worries. Thank you very much. It was really nice to meet you guys. You too, man. And, it was uh, wonderful to meet you. Again. Yeah, absolutely. You I, keep making them, we'll keep buying them. I, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was our conversation with Shiloh Prychek. Jim, holy crap. That was amazing. That dude, he's, he's, I mean, not only just a great guy, but I mean, his, his obvious love for this medium and this particular uh, genre of entertainment is just, it's just showed on his face. I'm actually kind of bummed to a certain degree that this is an audio primarily medium because just watching that guy, you know, just gush and, and, and uh, get enthusiastic about the stuff that he makes and, uh, you know, that's the guy you want bringing this kind of stuff to you. Somebody who is just as excited about these things as the fans are. And, and um, you know, like we said several times over the course of the conversation, it really does show in the final product. So getting a chance to talk to him, he's like Willy Wonka. I mean, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I thought it was great because you could see it in his face when he's like, oh, hang on, we're going to do a yeah. show and tell. I'm going to go get this for you and I'm going to show it to you. And and just to see kind of that, because like I said, that's what I, I, what's what I do this podcast for is I love to see that that glimmer, that spark of excitement when people are talking about something they're truly passionate about. And holy crap, did it shine through with this guy's emotions and his face. And 
Uh, and he was wearing these great big Jackie Onassis sunglasses, which are great. And, yeah. and But even behind that, I could see behind the sunglasses into his eyes. I could actually see it. And he was so excited to talk about these things. It's It makes me love the product even more, which is for sure. Impossible. When, when you know it comes from good people. I mean, you know, a lot of people start companies to make a quick buck. They just, you know, crap out whatever they think they can sell. But um, every one of these, uh, the products that New Wave and Replicate makes are just the, the, the absolute love and reverence for what it is they're doing comes through, not just in the products, but uh, also uh, watching Shiloh talk about just his face light up like a kid on Christmas talking about how, how much he loves what he does. And so that just, you know, it makes me feel better about all the support that they're getting and and uh, the, the, the niche fandom that they're creating just with their products alone, much less how they sort of dovetail into the larger world of retro video gaming. So fun. Absolutely. It's, it's a blast. And so, uh, Jim, I want to thank you for coming on this conversation with me. This was, hey, thank you. This was fun for me. And, uh, I mean, if, if, if you guys enjoyed it, that's good and well. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But uh, <laughs> this was for me. This was for me. I'm going to say it straight out. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for listening to the Future Fandom Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fandom. You can find us on uh, our Buzzsprout page, which is fuelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. Uh, that's going to reach you out to all the places we're available. Spotify, Google, Apple, Breaker, all these different places. And now, as of today, as of the day we record this, iHeartRadio. So that's Ta-da. fun. That's and fun. anybody who's opened up the iHeartRadio app sees that splash page where they say they're now the number one home for podcasting. So it's a good space to be in. I'm super excited to get that email today. It kind of made my day. So, uh, But from all of us here at the Feel Your Fandom Podcast, uh, to all of y'all at home listening, I want to thank you guys again. And remember, everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care, you guys. <laughs>